I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do believe in fairy tales. Zora, the winner on Joe Millionaire. The palace ballroom was massive, and they had it all to themselves. Lush royal green curtains fell over towering windows. Candles flickered on the mantel. Hundreds of golden lights glittered from a lavish chandelier spanning nearly the entire ceiling. They seemed like the perfect couple. Like all good princes, Evan was tall, dark, and handsome. And, like every true princess, Zora had lustrous hair and a pure heart. As he took her in his arms and began a slow waltz, she gazed up at him as if he were the answer to all her dearest dreams. Music swelled as they kissed. If you listened very carefully, you'd swear you could hear bluebirds chirping in the background, as if Cinderella's animated helpers themselves might be the ones to roll out the words, the end in calligraphy on the screen above the pair, as the camera panned out and the credits rolled. And then they never saw each other again. See, it's like this. No one ever skips off together into the sunset on reality TV, and Evan Marriott was not exactly a prince among men. In reality, he was just some schmo with a thin bank account and a full head of hair, hired by Fox to play the part of a single, moneyed stud looking for love on the Gold Diggers Get Theirs dating show, Joe Millionaire. And what about Zora Andrich? the sweet-natured good girl who won the privilege of being selected by a guy who had done nothing but lie to her from the moment she met him. Turns out, Evan was never the least bit interested in her, heartstrings tugging finale notwithstanding. On the post-show interview circuit, he let it slip that he chose her only because I had to pick one of the girls, and the producers wanted Zora, a schoolteacher who did charity work, in order to stage a convincing fairy tale ending. During an appearance on Live with Regis and Kelly, Zora confirmed that their relationship ended as soon as the set lights went out. That was 2003. Seven years later, we're still inundated with reality TV shows pitching us fairy tales, and we're still eating it up to the tune of millions of viewers per night. As practiced storytellers, reality TV producers like Mike Darnell and Mike Fleiss, who we met in the introduction, understand that old cliché about being able to catch more flies with honey than vinegar. They know they can lure more viewers with the promise of possibility, romantic, economic, or otherwise, than with overt misogyny. That's why they package their parade of sexist stereotypes as the embodiment of the perfect fairy tale. This show really is kind of a reality version of Cinderella, Ken Mock, executive producer of America's Next Top Model, told E's True Hollywood Story, describing a UPN-turned-CW series that regularly tells gorgeous, insecure young women that they're too fat, too flawed, and, in the case of girls of color, too ghetto to make it as an advertiser's muse. This formula pops up wherever women are pivotal to a series. The central conceit of Fox's The Swan, for example, was that ugly ducklings would be sliced and diced into beautiful swans, as if pitting emotionally unstable plastic surgery patients against one another in a bizarro world beauty pageant were a modern Hans Christian Andersen fable 
rather than primetime exploitation of body dysmorphia. Nevertheless, I felt like a princess has been a constant refrain from female reality stars, starting with the first winner of America's Next Top Model, Adrian Curry, and echoed by competitors every season thereafter. It doesn't take much to prompt this exact proclamation, and not just from would-be models. Sometimes we hear it from bona fide stars, as when actress Deborah Messing giddily described feeling like a princess on the red carpet after being frocked for an awards show by fashion stylist Rachel Zoe on Bravo's eponymous The Rachel Zoe Project.